you to stand once again as we sing a couple more Christmas songs. today's sermon, what I want us to do is I want us to think about the Christmas story from the perspective of the angels. So we've already read verses 1 through 7 that tell us about the birth of Jesus, and then the next thing that we see in Luke chapter 2 is the announcement, the famous announcement of the angels to the shepherds. And for reasons that I will explain, I have been thinking about the way this looked to the shepherds. They famously praised God and, and worshipped him and were famously excited about what happened. Why were they so excited? So I'm going to read the story, and I'll encourage you to think about it in those terms. Kind of imagine what it was like to go through this story as an angel. And then, kids, you have packets of items that we're going to use to help ourselves think about what it was like to be an angel in this story, okay? In the same region... Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. You guys heard that story before? Once or twice? All right, so now what we're going to do is we are going to think through what it was like to be in this story as an angel. So the first thing you're going to need in order to be an angel is a halo. Got a halo? Well, the kids with the packets, you got a halo? Okay, now a halo goes right up here. 
Helps you get into character as an angel. But what is an angel? What's an angel? Yes. One of God's people that has wings and a halo. So an angel, actually, very good, very good. An angel is a, it's actually a job. So the people that do it, we often see them with halos and wings, but the word angel is a name for a job. Do you know what it means? It means a messenger. An angel is a messenger. It comes from, that's what the word angel means in Greek. That's why when we say evangelical, that means good news, because angel in that word is news, announcement, right? So an angel is a messenger, someone that God sends to give a message, right? So the next thing we're going to need, because you're not just anybody's messenger, you're God's messenger, we gave you just a little tube of glory, okay? We got your little tube of glory, and if you break that, You'll get to see some glory coming out of it. Because when they went to see the shepherds, the glory of the Lord shone around them, right? So that's just, that's just a little bit of glory, okay? Just enough for you to handle, okay? And this reminds us that the angels were not just anybody's messenger. They were God's messengers, right? They came from the presence of God. We don't know when it says the glory of the Lord shone around them, that might have just been the stuff that had rubbed off on them from being in the presence of God, right? That might have just gone around with them everywhere because they would normally live in this stuff. They were always around God, the one who created the universe, and he's the one who would send them to deliver messages. So they, he sent them to deliver some pretty important messages, right? And in the Bible, you see them go and send messages to some pretty important people, too. People like Moses and David, kings and warriors and and soldiers and all these really important people. And now they know that they are on their most important mission ever, their most important message they've ever carried. And who does God send them to? Does he send them to kings or to warriors are they, the people that they go and, and meet, are they carrying spears or scepters? What are they carrying? They are carrying shepherd's crooks that look a lot like this. What is this? It's a candy cane. Now, candy canes, well, shepherd's staffs look like a candy cane. They're not very good for fighting, right? Because that's not what they're for. They're actually for pulling stubborn sheep along. They're, they're better for corralling than for fighting because shepherds were not powerful soldiers or anything like that. They were shepherds. They took care of animals. They lived out in the fields, which also meant that when you think about it, normally they were the last to get the news, right? Like if something big happened, the shepherds would be the last people to find out about it because the people who made the announcements, they would go to the middle of town and yell in the town square so that the most people could hear it at once. The shepherds were never there. They were always out in the hills taking care of sheep, which brings us to the sheep. We each have a, a, little, a cute little lamb in your packet. They're adorable, right? Are, are real sheep adorable? Real sheep are stubborn and stinky and hard to take care of. That's why you have to spend all day with them to make sure they don't get into trouble and to, you need one of these things to yank them around. Because the thing is, taking care of sheep was not a popular job. People didn't grow up wanting to be shepherds. Their parents told them to stay in school so that they wouldn't have to be a shepherd. 
So if you're an angel, is this the kind of person that you expect to bring the news, the important news to? You could have gotten sent to the king of the Jews. His name was Herod. You could have gotten sent to the Roman emperor. His name was Caesar Augustus. But instead, God sent you to these guys with curved sticks taking care of stinky, smelly animals out on some random hill. But that's not the most surprising thing about the job. Because you're supposed to announce that the Messiah, the king of Israel, and the king ultimately of the whole world has been born. And when the message you're told to give them is that they will find him in his favorite blankie, because he's a baby, right? So he's wrapped in swaddling cloth, and he's lying where? In a manger. Now, what's a manger? like a tub? Uh Uh-huh. And what do they put in it? Yeah. Very good. So it's like a wooden, it's like a wooden tub. That's my own kid I'm doing this to. I wouldn't do that to someone else's kid. (laughs) It's a wooden tub that they put food in, right? Very good. So this would be like if somebody told you to go find the king and he was, you're going to find him in somebody's backyard in the dog's food dish. It's kind, it's kind of like that, right? So this, pers- this baby is supposed to be the king of the whole universe. Would you expect to find him in a food dish? That's kind of weird, isn't it? Considering that there are, there are plenty of palaces that he could have been born in. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I've been thinking about, because that would have been really surprising news. And yet, what did the angels do once they delivered that news? How did they react? You're going to need your angelic maracas for this one. They celebrated, right? This was really good news. Go ahead. Let me hear them. It was really good news. So why was it good news to find the Messiah in a manger, in a food dish. Okay, well, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want to, for uh, all of our sakes, I want to show you what I think the shepherd or the angels saw when they looked at Jesus, okay? I think they saw something like this. What do you think? No? Okay, now hear, hear me out. Hear me out. This looks pretty silly, doesn't it? This looks really silly. Well, here's my point. Hear me out. Hear me out. I think that when the angels looked down at Jesus, he looked really rather silly. He looked silly to them. Because think about what it was like the last time they saw Jesus, okay? This is Jesus who created the universe, right? The Bible tells us that, uh, as in uh, 1 John, it tells us um, 
In the beginning, the word was already there. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things that were made through him, all things were made through him. Nothing that has been made was made without him, right? So Jesus made everything. In another place in the Bible, it tells us who was watching when he did this. It tells us the angels were watching. When this happened, the morning stars sang together, all of the angels shouted with joy. So imagine you're an angel who's watched God the Son make the universe, and now he's a baby. He's tiny, he looks like a potato with arms and legs. He can't really see very well. He can't control his bodily functions. He doesn't look very dignified. He does not smell very dignified. He does not act very dignified. The God of the universe becoming a baby looks rather silly, rather like me in a wig, in a powdered wig. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't just decide to look silly for the sake of looking silly, and I didn't wear this wig just for the sake of wearing this wig. There's a reason why I'm wearing this wig. I have a friend in this church, and this friend got sick. And this friend, and the doctors had to give him medicine that makes your hair fall out. And so I made a joke to this friend that when his, if his hair fell out, I would shave my head in his honor. You can imagine why that didn't go over very well. It wasn't all the gesture I meant it to be. So what we settled on instead was matching wigs. And my mistake was to let him pick. <laughs> so we settled on a wig that I could preach in, a going out wig. So I am wearing this wig to show that I care about my friend. And it, the, word, the big word is called solidarity, that I'm supporting him, I love him, and that I want him to get better and to, to know that I'm with him while he's getting better. So that's why I'm wearing this silly wig. And it reminds me, rather, of why Jesus was willing to look so silly for us. It tells us that in his very nature, Jesus was God, but he did not think that becoming equal with God was something he should hold on to. Instead, he made himself nothing. He took on the very nature of a servant. He was made in human form. And in Hebrews, it tells us those children, in this passage, the children are people. It says... We people have bodies made out of flesh and blood, so Jesus became human like them in order to die for them. By doing that, he could destroy the one who rules over the kingdom of death. I'm talking about the devil. Jesus could set people free who were afraid of death. All their lives, they were held as slaves by that fear. It is certainly Abraham's children that he helps. He doesn't help angels. So he had to be made like his brothers in every way, then he could serve God as a kind and faithful high priest. And then he could pay for the sins of the people by dying for them. Jesus made himself look really rather silly. He put aside his dignity in a way that none of us could even imagine. We cannot climb high enough to get low enough to make that kind of change for someone else. And Jesus has done that for us to save us. And so there's one last thing in your packets. It's a heart. 
This is Mary's heart, because it says at the end of the story that Mary treasured all these things in her heart. You can take these different objects that remind us of the parts of the story, and you can put them in this heart and treasure them. And what I most want you to remember is that on Christmas, Jesus became a silly human being for us. He did it because he loves us. And if we ever wonder where Jesus is, where God is in all the chaos or the the scary things or the hurtful things that happen in this life, we know where he is. He's right next to us. He's wearing our wig. He's bearing our sins. He is giving us his life. That's what Christmas reminds us of. And it's important for us to treasure that in our hearts always so that we remember that that is the kind of king that we serve. Not a Herod, not a Caesar, but a baby in a manger who came here on purpose for us. Amen? That's what, Jesus, that's what Christmas is about. Now, there's one last thing that I want us to do. It's Christmas Eve. I don't know what your traditions look like, but you probably have not started opening presents yet. Maybe you got one or two early. But I would like us to start opening gifts here. Now. Because you all have received a gift that we are going to open together. For us, uh, we see communion as a critical moment, a critical thing that God has given us as a church to remember what he has done for us and what he has given us. And so you should have with you communion elements. And these elements are a gift. We didn't earn them. We didn't buy them. This is really the gift that we celebrate receiving on Christmas. And so I'm going to invite you to partake of the communion elements together as we unwrap this gift as a congregation. It says in the Gospel of Matthew As they were eating, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it. He handed it to his disciples and said, Take this and eat. This is my body. Let's take the bread together. Then he took the cup. 
He gave thanks and handed it to them. He said, all of you drink from it. This is my blood, which is the new covenant. It is poured out to forgive the sins of many. Let us take the cup together. Dear Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you that he did not remain in heaven looking down on us, watching us in the muck and the mire and leaving us to our own devices. We thank you that he was willing to look silly, to become a human being with all of the discomfort and pain and awkwardness that comes along with that. He was willing to be a baby for us. He was willing to be a teenager for us. He was willing to be a man for us and to die for us so that he could be raised for us. Father, help us always to treasure this as a gift, as something you have given us that we don't deserve that transforms our life. And Father, let, us, let it also teach us to give. We recognize that today and tomorrow are about generosity. They are not about us receiving more gifts like the one you gave us, but about us being generous to others the way you were to us. We pray that the birth of your Son would plant in us a spirit of generosity and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.